Welcome to Seeking Jesus, a podcast for Latter-day Saints focused on learning all we can about Jesus Christ. This was originally designed as a video course. To see the visuals for this episode, please visit johnhiltonii.com slash seekingjesus. Hi, my name is John Hilton, and I welcome you to the course Seeking Jesus. This podcast is comprised of episodes that are focused on Jesus Christ and how we can draw closer to Him. Throughout this course, we will explore Jesus Christ across the scriptures with a focus on His ministry in the New Testament. We will also focus on a variety of approaches we can take to learn all we can about the Savior. President Russell M. Nelson said, The more you learn about the Savior, the easier it will be to trust in His mercy, His infinite love, and His strengthening, healing, and redeeming power. These are powerful promises that come from learning about Jesus Christ. My hope is that this podcast increases your knowledge of Jesus Christ and equips you with several tools to deepen your future studies of Him. In this first episode, we will discuss the Savior's central role in the plan of salvation and the power and meaning of His name. Let me take you back in time to when I was in the missionary training center. When I first arrived as a brand new missionary, I was so excited to be in class with my new district. Then the MTC teacher asked us a question. She said, who would be willing to come up to the chalkboard and draw out the plan of salvation? I thought to myself, that kind of rings a bell, but I wasn't 100% sure what she wanted. In fact, nobody in my district raised their hand because we were all uncertain if we really knew what the plan of salvation was. Test yourself and see how your knowledge compares to mine. Take a minute, if you can, and draw out the plan of salvation to the best of your ability. If you have no idea what to draw, that's okay. I was a missionary and I had no idea. But seriously, pause the podcast and do a quick sketch of what the plan of salvation should look like, and then come back. Now, I'm a big fan of plan of salvation drawings, and over the years, I've collected lots of them. One of the things that I've noticed is many plan of salvation drawings miss Jesus Christ. He's not included in them at all. In your drawing of the plan of salvation, did you make an explicit connection to Jesus Christ? Jesus is at the center of the plan, and I think it's interesting that some of our visual depictions of God's plan— leave Jesus out. Thinking about how Jesus is sometimes left out of plan of salvation drawings makes me wonder if sometimes we aren't as focused on the Savior as we should be. For example, consider a stereotypical example of a child bearing testimony. She says, I want to bear my testimony that, what's the child gonna say next? I've asked people from all across the United States and I always hear them say, I wanna bear my testimony that I know this church is true. And what will come next? Maybe I'm thankful for my family. I haven't explored this internationally. If you're here from another country, I hope that you'll write me and let me know if this happens in your country as well. But a very common English phrase is, I want to bear my testimony. I know this church is true. And I'm not trying to be critical, but let's consider what Joseph Smith called the fundamental principles of our religion. He said, the fundamental principles of our religion are the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day and ascended into heaven. And all other things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. Now, please don't misunderstand me. The church is true, and that's really important. At the same time, Jesus shouldn't be left out of the child's testimony. He should be central to it. I was recently talking with a friend of mine. He's in his 60s, so he has kids in their 40s. That's my age. He was talking to me about one of his children who recently left the church because of some struggles with church history. My friend said that what was really discouraging to him was that not only did his child leave the church, but that child no longer believes in God or Jesus Christ. He said, I can understand my child struggling with church history and maybe even leaving the church, but how could he leave Jesus? 
As he was reflecting on this, he said, John, I wonder if when we, meaning people in their 60s, were teaching you, people in their 40s, we focused so much on the church is true that we didn't focus enough on Jesus is real and there's a power in him. He is your savior. Reflect for a moment on your testimony. Is it deeply rooted in Jesus Christ? Consider another example of how Jesus is at the core. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, what does it take to get a temple recommend? I would have said, live the law of chastity, pay tithing, follow the word of wisdom. And those things are true and important. But the first two questions on the temple recommend interview are first, do you have faith in and a testimony of God, the eternal father, his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost? And the second question is, do you have a testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ and of his role as your savior and redeemer? Up front in the Temple Recommend interview is a testimony of Jesus. All of this helps us understand Moroni's message as he concludes his words to future readers of the Book of Mormon. Consider how important last words are. As Moroni bids readers farewell, he tells us, seek this Jesus. And that's what this course is all about, seeking Jesus. I should mention that throughout this course, we'll explore what the scriptures, living prophets, and modern scholars have taught about Christ. We'll also explore a variety of other ways we can seek Jesus. But obviously, we won't be able to cover every aspect of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. That's why, as an important part of this course, I'll be sharing numerous resources you can use to extend your understanding. For example, we'll have a podcast episode in this course that focuses on the Savior's parables. And that episode will dive deep into a few of Christ's parables, but there's no way we can discuss all of them. But in the additional readings section of the course, I will point you to books, articles, and podcasts that you can dive into to deepen your understanding of Christ's parables beyond what you've previously thought possible. I'll also have suggested pre- and post-class readings for each episode. You can find the course website with all the additional resources at johnhiltoniii.com slash seekingjesus. Now, you don't have to do any of these resources. You can just listen to the episodes and enjoy them, but I want you to know they're there for you if you want them. You might be thinking to yourself, look, I already do Come Follow Me and I participate in church meetings. Why should I engage with this course? Well, the main reason for this podcast is to focus more of your attention on Jesus Christ. Consider these promises from President Russell M. Nelson. He said, if you proceed to learn all you can about Jesus Christ, I promise you that your love for him and for God's laws will grow beyond what you currently imagine. I promise you also that your ability to turn away from sin will increase. Your desire to keep the commandments will soar. You will find yourself better able to walk away from the entertainment and entanglements of those who mock the followers of Jesus Christ. In both ancient and modern scripture, the Savior has invited, learn of me. Learning of Jesus isn't something that just comes automatically. It takes effort. As President Russell M. Nelson taught, as we invest time in learning about the Savior and his atoning sacrifice, we are drawn to him. As we seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our efforts to hear him need to be ever more intentional. It takes conscious and consistent effort to fill our daily lives with his words, his teachings, his truths. These statements encapsulate the purpose of this course. It's intended to give us a structure to invest time learning about the Savior. I think all of us want to do that all of the time, but it's hard. We have lots of competing commitments. Perhaps we want to learn about Jesus, but we also want to watch a lot of Netflix. This podcast and its associated learning materials are designed to help us invest time, be ever more intentional, and put conscious and consistent effort into learning about Jesus so that we are drawn to him and trust more fully in his redeeming power. The scriptures provide many other reasons why a course specifically about Jesus Christ can be beneficial. 
One is that there's no other way for salvation than through Jesus. King Benjamin taught, there shall be no other name given, nor any other way nor means, whereby salvation can come unto the children of men, only in and through the name of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. Another reason to focus on Christ is found in Abinadi's phrase, that Jesus is the founder of peace. If you and I want to have more peace in our lives, there's no better source to turn to than the Prince of Peace. I also love the phrase in Helaman 3, where it describes how the people waxed firmer in the faith of Christ unto the filling their souls with joy. As we focus on Christ and grow firmer in our faith in Him, we feel that joy. Helaman taught his sons, Remember, remember, that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation. I emphasize these three words, ye must build, because each is important. Ye, meaning you and me, we have to build our own foundation. Helaman doesn't say your mom will help you build this foundation. You are the one who needs to build it. Then there's a phrase, ye must. It's not like you should, or it'd be nice if you could do it this weekend. It's something you must do. Finally, the word build connotes action. It's not like our foundation built on Christ is going to magically appear. We've got to work at it. That's what this course is designed to do, to help each of us build the foundation on Jesus Christ that will not fall. Here's another reason I think a course on Jesus Christ is important. I don't want to make too big a deal about this, but I recently discovered that our testimony of Jesus is specifically connected to the kingdom that we inherit. Like the Temple Recommend questions, if a few years ago you had asked me, what does it take to get to the celestial kingdom? I would have said, repent and be baptized or shared other action items. Those things are accurate and they're in section 76, but notice how in section 76 verse 51, which is talking about those who go to the celestial kingdom, it specifically says they receive a testimony of Jesus. Verse 74, which is talking about those in the terrestrial kingdom, says that those in the terrestrial kingdom either receive not the testimony of Jesus in the flesh, but afterwards received it, or, in verse 79, were not valiant in the testimony of Jesus. Verse 82, which describes those who go to the telestial kingdom, says, These are they who received not the testimony of Jesus. To me, this pattern highlights the centrality of Jesus Christ. Our testimony of Him is connected to which degree of glory we receive. Of course, this shouldn't be our primary motivation to study Him. In fact, perhaps some of us are struggling in our testimony of Jesus Christ. If so, I see these verses as encouraging. That's not to say, oh, I'm in trouble, but rather Jesus Christ is an area where I can really focus on strengthening my testimony, and that will bless me now and in eternity. Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf taught, we cannot depend on the testimonies of other people. We need to know for ourselves. The core of this testimony will always be the faith in and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his divine mission. When it comes to focusing on Jesus Christ, sometimes it's easy to miss the mark. Consider John 5, 39, when the Savior says, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. True or false, what Jesus is telling the people in this verse is that you should search the Scriptures. This is actually false. Although we tend to focus on the first phrase, search the Scriptures, we miss what comes next. Jesus says, in them you think you have eternal life. Let's look at a couple of different Bible translations that could help clarify what Christ is actually saying. In the New Living Translation, we read, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. In context, Jesus is talking to a group of people who are rejecting him, but they frequently search the scriptures. What he's saying is, you're missing the mark. You're so focused on the scriptures that you can't see they are testifying of me. 
Here's an even plainer translation from the message. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me, and here I am standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Just to clarify, is it good to search the scriptures? Absolutely. That's just not what Jesus is teaching in this specific passage. What he is saying is that the scriptures point to him. That's why we study them. Nephi taught the same principle when he wrote, We labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ. We talk of Christ. We rejoice in Christ. We preach of Christ. We prophesy of Christ. And we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. These passages make it clear that the purpose of the scriptures is to point us to Christ. My colleague Joshua Sears recently said to me, what if instead of scripture study, we had Christ study? Sometimes it's easy to get into a checklist mentality with scripture study, like I've got to read my Come Follow Me curriculum for the week, or I've got to read 15 minutes a day from the Book of Mormon. Is the goal to check boxes of scripture study? No, it's to connect with Jesus Christ. If we keep in the forefront of our minds why we're reading the scriptures to connect with the Savior, the way we approach scripture study can change. We could spend the exact same 15 minutes reading the exact same verses, but if I'm focused on Christ study rather than checking a box of scripture study, it can be a different experience. Thus far, we've been discussing the importance of Jesus Christ. Let me shift to a related topic by sharing a story. I was sitting in Sunday school at the age of 13 when the teacher asked a question. I raised my hand and answered the question by saying, it's Jesus. And that was the correct answer, by the way. But then one of my classmates turned to me and said, John, don't say the name Jesus. That's not respectful. You should say Christ. I still remember feeling embarrassed that I had said the wrong thing. In later years, I've reflected on this experience, and I invite you to think about it as well. What is your experience specifically with the name Jesus? Is this a name that you use frequently in your life? I think what my classmate had been taught is that we should avoid too frequent repetition of the name of Jesus, as suggested in Doctrine and Covenants, section 107, verse 4. It's true that we don't want to be casual with the Savior's name. At the same time, there are dozens of passages that specifically encourage using the name of Jesus. Consider just a few examples. Call upon the name of Jesus. Whatsoever ye do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Pray in the name of Jesus. Have faith on the name of Jesus. Believe on the name of Jesus. Be willing to take upon yourself the name of Jesus. I wonder if maybe some of us, in order to avoid using his name too frequently, have swung to the other side and don't use his name enough. There is power in the name of Jesus, especially when we know the meaning of this name. When the angel visited Joseph, he said, Mary shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. A simple definition of the name Jesus is to save. By the way, Jesus, during the time period of the Savior, was a common name. Just like how in some areas today, Jesus is a common male name, Jesus was a common male name in Jerusalem, in Galilee, where Jesus was growing up. The English word for Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. Similarly, a Hebrew word that's translated into English as Messiah has the same meaning as Christ. In other words, Christ and Messiah mean the same thing, the anointed one. Christ comes from Greek and Messiah comes from Hebrew. What does it mean to be the anointed one? To anoint refers to putting some oil on a person, to set them apart or consecrate them for a specific mission. 
In Old Testament times, prophets, priests, and kings were anointed. When we think of Jesus as the Christ, it's saying that God is setting him apart for a specific mission, to be our Savior. To be clear, Jesus Christ is not a first name and last name. Christ is not like Smith. It's a title. That's why you sometimes see the Savior's name expressed as Christ Jesus. That's like saying the anointed one Jesus instead of Jesus the anointed one. It's interesting to see how important Jesus' name is to him. Consider what the Savior says in the Book of Mormon. I worked with some colleagues a few years ago to create a database that allows you to search the Book of Mormon electronically to see how often specific individuals use given words. So instead of searching and finding how often a word appears in 1 Nephi or Alma, it tells you how many times a specific person in the Book of Mormon says that word. If you use this database and search the word name, we find out that Jesus Christ in the Book of Mormon says the word name 64 times. And when you account for the proportional amount of words that Jesus Christ speaks in the Book of Mormon, statistically speaking, he uses the word name way more than any other individual. And if you want to see more and explore this database, it's a little bit nerdy, I admit, but you can go to the course website and there's a direct link to it. But I want to show you a few examples from the Book of Mormon of Christ's focus on his name. He said, blessed is this people who are willing to bear my name. He said, ask of the Father in my name. He said, they who shall believe on my name shall become my sons and daughters. An interesting illustration of the Savior's focus on his name is found by comparing how he and Mormon describe baptism. Mormon frequently uses the phrase baptized unto repentance. But in contrast, Jesus will most often use a phrase like, he that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost, or baptize in my name, or come unto me and be baptized in my name. Christ's consistent connections between baptism and his own name can deepen our appreciation for the nature of baptismal covenants. It may also aid us in taking more seriously the concept of baptism when we realize how personal it is for the Savior, given how closely he associates the ordinance with his own name. Here's another example showing how the Savior's name is important to him. In 3 Nephi 27, Jesus asked his disciples what they wanted from him. I would have been tempted to say something like, how about a new car? But what the disciples wanted to know was what they should call the name of the church. Notice the Savior's response. He said, how be it my church, save it be called in my name. For if a church be called in Moses' name, then it be Moses' church. Or if it be called in the name of a man, then it be the church of a man. But if it be called in my name, then it is my church, if it so be that they are built upon my gospel. Ye shall call whatsoever things ye do call in my name. Therefore, if ye call upon the Father for the church, if it be in my name, the Father will hear you. Can you see how much the Savior's name matters to him? Now, that passage took place in about 34 AD. Jump forward in time 1,800 years. We know that in the beginning of the Restoration, the name of the church was the Church of Christ. And it was later changed to become the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So what happened is they added the phrase Latter-day Saints, right? Actually, no. Although the restored church was originally called the Church of Christ in Doctrine and Covenants 20, in 1834, church members voted to change the name of the church to the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Did you notice what was taken out? The name of Jesus. In fact, if you look at the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants on the title page, it says the Church of the Latter-day Saints. That same name, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, was also inscribed on the Kirtland Temple. 
So when Jesus reveals in 1838, thus shall my church be called in the last days, even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he wasn't adding in Latter-day Saints. He was restoring his name to the name of the church. Isn't it interesting to see how history repeats itself? In the October 2018 General Conference, President Russell M. Nelson taught the following about the name of the church. He said, I feel compelled to discuss with you a matter of great importance. Some weeks ago, I released a statement regarding a course correction for the name of the church. I did this because the Lord impressed upon my mind the importance of the name He decreed for His church, even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is a correction. It is a command of the Lord. The name of the church is not negotiable. When the Savior clearly states what the name of His church should be and even precedes His declaration with, Thus shall my church be called, He is serious. And if we allow nicknames to be used or adopt or even sponsor those nicknames ourselves, he is offended. What's in a name, or in this case, a nickname? When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as the LDS Church, the Mormon Church, or the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the most important thing in those names is the absence of the Savior's name. President Nelson continues, To remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. When we discard the Savior's name, we are subtly disregarding all that Jesus Christ did for us, even his atonement. Now, over these past few minutes, we've focused on the name of Jesus Christ. We've seen what it means, and we've seen how important it is to the Savior. Whether we're talking about how frequently Christ refers to his name in the Book of Mormon, or how he connects it to baptism and the name of the church, it's clear that to the Savior, the name Jesus matters. The principle of focusing on the name of Jesus might have different applications for each of us. For some of us, it might mean spending more time pondering what it means to take upon us the name of Christ. It could mean that we should judge our actions to see if we are comfortable doing them in the name of Jesus Christ. For others of us, it might mean to use the name Jesus more frequently in conversation. Consider this insight from one of my former students. She said, I served my mission in the Bible Belt, and I met people who would frequently use the Savior's name and were very genuine in their expressions. To me, it was cool to see people's genuine emotion behind frequently using his name. In the October 2020 General Conference, Elder Neil L. Anderson described how in the United States and Europe, there are fewer and fewer believers in Jesus Christ. He said, you and I speak of Jesus Christ, but maybe we can do a little better. If the world is going to speak less of him, who is going to speak more of him? We are, along with other devoted Christians. Perhaps using the Savior's name more frequently is part of that process. Truly, there is power in the name of Jesus. Elder Rasband counseled, try just saying the name Jesus Christ. Just calling upon him by name with reverence can make a difference in a difficult moment. Here's an example from my own family. Recently, my wife and I noticed that the Savior was not mentioned very often in our family prayers. The most common phrases we heard were, Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this day, or bless us food to nourish and strengthen our bodies, or help us to have lots of fun. And I'm not saying those phrases are bad, but we noticed that we rarely mention Jesus by name. And recognizing this has changed the way we pray in our family. Or consider another example. If I were to scroll through my past 20 social media posts, how many of them connect to Jesus? Am I publicly communicating my belief in him? Now, I'm not saying that you have to talk about the Savior on social media, and I'm certainly not suggesting that we should become mechanical in how often we say the name of Jesus. I'm simply suggesting some possible applications to the principle that the name of Jesus Christ is important to him. 
ultimately the Spirit will guide each of us in making specific applications. We've talked today about how Jesus Christ is central in God's plan of salvation. Indeed, He is central to our lives. Jesus is the rock upon which we must build our foundation. He's at the center of our testimonies, and learning about Him is the reason we study our scriptures. His name is important to Him, and it should be important to us. I hope I've been able to communicate a few of the reasons why it's important to have a course specifically focused on Jesus Christ. Remember Moroni's words, seek this Jesus. My hope is that this podcast will assist you in increasing your knowledge of, faith in, and love for Jesus Christ. I testify that Jesus Christ lives. I am so grateful for his power in my life. I hope this course will help you connect with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you'll rate this podcast and leave a review. It makes a difference. This course is more than a podcast. There are several additional elements, including readings, PowerPoints, and other learning resources. These are all freely available at johnhiltoniii.com slash seekingjesus. We hope to see you there.